What matters is understanding money and understanding what you should do with that money and having some kind of a plan that gets you where you want to be. The reason people fail is they have this fun thing they want to do, but nobody actually sits down and thinks what they actually have to do to become a millionaire. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips here, your host. Heather is not with me today, but I do have a really great guest. And folks, it's a new year. I know a lot of you out there are doing the new year thing, right? You're out there uh, setting goals, new year resolutions, all that good stuff. Today, we're going to talk about something that's really important. I know most people are setting financial goals, and we're going to talk about money today. It's a great topic, something I think unique we're going to talk about today. Maybe some things that you guys haven't thought of hopefully add to you guys a ton of value as you plan for the new year and, and try to figure out how to make more out of what you have. You, as always, you guys can follow us. Don't forget to share us with all of your friends, right? GetRealEstateSuccess.com. Make sure you uh, subscribe, give us a like, all that good stuff. And if you'd be so kind, give us some honest feedback, right? In written form. And if you guys need anything answered, you got questions out there, you want us to do a show, you can just hit us up at info at rpcinvest.com. We will answer you probably on the show. So I'd like to welcome our guest today, uh, John Dwyer. Met John at a mastermind. I know that seems to be a theme because it seems like everybody I know I met at a mastermind, but that should tell you something. If you're not a part of a mastermind, you know, maybe you should be because my gosh, the amount of great information that has come just on this podcast alone from the people that I've met at masterminds is, is tremendous. But John is kind of a unique cat in the financial industry. His company is Solid Rock Financial Group. He's been doing this since 2009, at least this with this company. I'll let him introduce himself a little bit more, but he educates people about how money really works. Well, I don't think so. I know there's a lot of misinformation about there about how money works how taxes work, how market volatility can kill you, all of these different things that I think we all feel, but we just don't really understand exactly what is happening when we feel it. John, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for stopping by and giving us some of your time and, and a lot of your knowledge. Hey, thanks, Ron. I really appreciate being here and I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. So thanks for the invite and uh, looking forward to it. Man, tell us just a little bit about your background because I know you've been doing this unique financial model for, you know, I mean, it's been quite a few years now, but Tell me a little bit about your background and what you do. Yeah. So I've been in the industry for a little over 20 years. And when I first got in this industry, I was doing what everybody else was doing from a traditional planning standpoint, right? Because you only kind of know what you know. And, you know, it's really interesting as through my journey and working with my clients, what I discovered was that traditional planning is broken. And, you know, that's a pretty big, bold statement to make. And what I mean by that is that traditional planning will typically look at money just from a microeconomic perspective. Okay, but when we look at money, money's not micro, money's macro. And every financial decision that we make can affect all these other decisions that we could have made, right? Since 2009, and why I formulated Solid Rock Financial Group is building a plan on a foundation, Solid Rock, right? You want to build your plan on a foundation. And with truth and economic concepts based on what we're, what we're told to believe by the government and Wall Street and by the institutions. And so I've spent the last since 2009, I don't know how many years it is, right? Educating people around how wealth really works and the implications of taxation, 
and how money really works in distribution because the rules really change 360 degrees when it comes time to retire. And if you really miss in my idea of understanding and unfortunate is that the traditional planning model only focuses on accumulation and rates of return. Accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. But what happens when you get to retirement and you want to spend the money? Call right. your broker and tell me you want to take the money out of the account. What are they going to tell you to do? Yeah, well, that doesn't work for them. Um, it, for sure. it doesn't work for them, right? So, <laughs> right. So, so if we understand how economic income streams work in distribution, that's how we should help people plan for not only what I call the, I do a whole mountain conversation. Like if you're going to climb Mount Everest, right? What's the goal? And people will often say, well, I want to get to the top. But is it, do you want to get to the top and die? Or do you want to get back down safely and tell people about the journey? If you're going to climb Mount Everest, I'd rather get back down safely, right? right? So it's about the descent and getting back down safely, not so much about getting to the top. And the same is true as it relates to money. Right. It's not what you have, it's what you can spend. Right. And that goes into, you know, time of year that we're in right now. I started this show a couple of years ago in January. And, you know, I find I usually talk about goals and planning and things like that in February because everybody's already screwed things up. Right. Everybody's already completely shot. You know, everybody planned, you know, talking about Everest, everybody's planned to get to the top. And, you know, once they arrive there, it's cold and they don't even hit base camp, right? They're not, they're not even to the first base camp before they've failed and gone back home because it's warm there, right? And I think that's kind of what you're talking about, right? It's what, what is it that we're trying to accomplish? And then is that really what we're trying to accomplish? And then, well, how do we actually do that? And there's a whole lot that goes into climbing Everest, and getting down Everest and living. There's a lot that goes into that, right? And I think that, you know, if I was talking to somebody about climbing Mount Everest, I think I'd probably ask, A, what are some mistakes people make? But B, what are the most important things that we need to know or do or both to be able to actually make it? So let, why don't we, I mean, that's what I would ask them. So, let's, so since we're talking about that and since we used Everest, let's just go with that. What are some of the mistakes that you see people make out there that really hurt them when it comes to building and keeping wealth and then on the distribution side? And then let's move into what are the most important things people actually need to know about money, about finance that they don't know? Let's just start there. And that's going to be a great conversation. We'll probably talk hours on this, right, Ron? But the, re- the reality is, is that if we kind of dissect this down or break it down, I think one of the biggest things that people really have to understand is there's a couple things as it relates to money and rates of return and where your money sits, okay? I'll often talk about it's not so much the rate of return on your assets, but what you can spend. And again, it leads into that Mount Everest conversation that it's always just about accumulate, accumulate, accumulate. Even though we want to have an asset value, that's great, but what can it actually spend, right? That's why real estate is a popular alternative investment because of the cash flows and, and the money income generating, right? Right. And now with, you know, who knows what's going to happen with, you know, the new tax code coming out, but we got to plan for taxation and different things around that issue with our money. So the reality is, is that when we look at money, okay, one of the things I talk a lot about is wealth transfers. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with that term at all, but when I talk about wealth transfers, do you know what I'm talking about? I would assume that you're talking about me passing that along to somebody else. Yep. And so for example, right, exactly right. So in our world, Okay. In our financial world, we have three components. We have the accumulation component. These are the dollars that we're saving and have saved to try to create some rates to return. We have lifestyle. And then the third part of money that most people don't understand or miss completely is the wealth transfers. And these are the dollars that we're losing unknowingly and unnecessarily to the government and the financial institutions throughout our lifetime. And these can have a huge impact on us because it's the dollars that we can't get back. 
right? So for example, today, the current tax code is set up to where 60% of Americans will lose on average a quarter of a million dollars worth of wealth in retirement, just the way the tax code is set up, that they could actually avoid entirely if they understood the strategies around how to do that. Yeah. So, and I think it, uh, so, uh, you know, let's pause there because I've talked, I've actually ranted many times about taxation and how it destroys and kills wealth and wealth growth. I've shared, you know, the penny of the penny a day and then the penny a day taxed. The numbers are staggering. People you didn't hear that go back and listen to a couple of my podcasts about that. But wealth is theft. And it irritates me that people have this high and mighty attitude when they don't pay it about people who should be paying it and aren't paying it. And yet the tax code was written by the politicians in a way that benefits people who utilize the tax code. It's mm -hmm. not illegal at all to utilize the tax code the way that it is written. It really irritates me that people, especially politicians, get out there on their soapbox when they themselves are utilizing the tax code the way that it's written. And I think that's all you're talking about, right? Yeah. And, there, and there's, again, to your point, right? There's two types of people who pay taxes in this country. It's the informed and the uninformed. And which one do you want to be? Because the tax code is written so you can follow the tax code. It's not like you're evading or avoiding taxation. It's you're following the rules of what they give us. And I think one of the biggest things and one of the biggest wealth transfers, right, is that we oftentimes will position our money in places to where we postpone the tax. So a question that I'll ask, okay, so let's just play along with me. You know, Ron, is it your goal and desire to make more money in 2021 than it was in 2020? It's always my desire to make right. Some it's always that right. Absolutely. Yeah, and then is it your goal? And again, retirement looks different for everybody. Okay, but there's common themes. But as a retirement, would you like to have the same standard of living that you had during your working and grinding career as you had in retirement? Do you want that same lifestyle and economic cash flow? No, I want it to be better. You want it to be better. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So the third question I would have for you is: Do you believe future taxes are going to go up, down, or stay the same? I think they have to go up. They have to go up. Right. And so what I want you to recognize, okay, and, and maybe you already have, but I want to voice it here because what people I want people to understand is that what you've just described to me and what you should realize is that you're in the lowest tax bracket you'll ever be in for the rest of your life. And so when that comes to planning and when it comes to what you're doing with your money, right, are you postponing taxation? Are you deferring tax today to push it in the future to only pay tax in the future? Because if you're doing that, that could be a huge transfer of your wealth with your assets, right? And so what I'm referencing is a lot of qualified plans, 401ks, self IRAs, all these different types of plans that people have been positioning money in accounts to where they postpone the tax. So they don't want to pay the tax today. I hate paying taxes too. I get it. But if it's going to only be pushed along in the future, you're going to be at a higher tax rate. And yeah, so, so you're, you're, you're suggesting that there's a way that I can get money into a Roth, right? And I should, on years where my, and you know, maybe there's a law of, of diminishing returns where if my tax bracket is X, then it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If I can reduce it down to a certain point, it makes sense for me to transfer that money into an, a, to a Roth where I don't have to pay taxes ever and neither do my kids and my grandkids versus putting it into a traditional and, and kick the can down the road. That's what you're saying. Yeah, exactly right. Because again, to your point, right? If you're going to have more and more income each and every year, you want to stay at that level of income and you believe taxes are going up. Why do we do that? Yet there's $32 trillion in these types of plans. The tax problem solved. I mean, it's one of the biggest, in my opinion, the biggest confiscations of wealth is these retirement plans. Hmm. And so we just have to understand how, and, and I don't want to say they're bad, but we have to understand how they work. Right. And I'm all about 
deductions, right? There's a big difference between a tax income reduction or a tax deduction. And with a postponement of tax, all you're doing is reducing your income to someday in the future. And that's what we need to be aware of as we journey through this and and navigate through our course of how are we position ourselves from a retirement standpoint, because my goal for my clients is to get them completely off the radar screen of the IRS and retirement legally. And through strategies, there's ways to do that. Let's explore that just a second, because I don't think anybody really has ever thought about that. And you're just, that's intriguing to me because I actually have never thought of it that way. I do think about taxation a lot. It's a massive amount of redistributive theft, in my opinion. Government's completely bloated. They don't need that much money. And yet we continue to send it to them and they continue to spend two times what we send them, right? So how do I eventually not have to ever talk to the IRS ever again? Like that actually never has entered my brain. How do you do that? And so when I, you know, it's interesting because I'll ask clients, I'll, I'll draw a little, I'm gonna, I want you to, the listeners and you to envision a circle, okay? So just draw a circle in your mind, okay? And imagine that all your wealth fits in this circle, that someday is going to generate and produce cash flow to you. Now I'm going to take a knife and I'm going to make the first slice of the pie, which is right down the middle, okay? And Ron, if I was sitting next to you, I'd say, okay, I want you to pick up the second slice, which would represent what portion of your assets do you want to share with the IRS and retirement? How big would that slice be? I don't want to share it with them. <laughs> right? No, you don't want to share that, right? There's no but slice you, that I want to share with them. You're exactly right. I've never had a client answer otherwise, okay? And the reality is, is and I'm going to get there, right? The reality is, is that there's possibilities through the tax code that allow you to do that, okay? You mentioned one of them, a Roth IRA, but typically most people are income phased out of those types of plans, okay? Aren't there loopholes though that there allow- okay. Yep. So there's backdoor Roths, there's different things, but then there's also Roth on steroids, which is an overfunded specifically designed life insurance contract. Fabulous tool. Let's talk about that for just a second, because I think we've talked about that on the show a couple of times. I have one and I've talked to some other guys about these plans, you know, banks use them, major, very huge banks and corporations use these things. They long. You know, they use them for very specific reasons. You know, one of those reasons is that some of these plans- you know, you can dump, you know, whatever, $100,000 into one of these policies and you can literally show on your, on your balance sheet the same or more immediately in assets, in surrender value, which I don't think most people realize. And for a bank who has to show assets, they bought a life insurance policy with a surrender value more than they actually put in. That gives them more lending like, because they can already lend 10X or something ridiculous yep. like that. That would get you and I thrown in prison. They get to do legally, Right. And so they're constantly using these life insurance contracts, but I guess I never actually thought about them as a glorified Roth. Explain to me how that works. So when we look at Roth IRAs, right? When you look at the history of how they were set up, when Senator Roth actually went to propose the the Roth IRA, he basically wrote all the components out of what the life insurance contract has. And Congress threw it out and said, this already exists. And they stripped it down to the five components that consider a Roth. But what they also put in there was that they put the income restrictions on there, the contribution restrictions on there right? Because it's too good. And so the reason why I call a life insurance contract a Roth on steroids is because there's no limitation to really how much money you can put into these things. Now it's based on income net worth and your, your age, right? But for example, I mean, I'm contributing over $300,000 a year into this position because I want to shelter my wealth off the radar screen of the IRS. My plan is never to have to file a tax return in retirement. And based okay, on the so, fact, I'm going to, I'm going to do time out on you because what you're saying makes sense to you and your brain, but it doesn't make sense to anybody else. So (laughs) 
there, and for a couple of reasons, right? Yeah. Some very notable people out there say that life insurance, any kind of permanent life insurance is crap mm -hmm. and you should buy term and invest the difference, which I vehemently disagree with, but it's because I understand insurance just a little bit better. I'd like for you to just take a second and walk us through. I think this is both one of the mistakes and both one of the tips and things that people need to know. So you're dumping $300,000 into what some very popular people postulate is a horrible idea. And you're telling us that it is a, it's a Roth on steroids and then you're not going to pay taxes on the money. I'd love to know exactly why that is. Like, how does that actually work? And I'll, and I'll break it down. So there's two components, actually three, right? And I am a, you know, and I got to let the viewers know here too, because of my license that I hold, right? This is not me giving you financial advice or tax counsel or legal counsel, right? You need to seek out a professional to do that. But because of the licenses I hold, I am securities licensed, right? And I want to bring out the point to the buy term and invest the difference. If you actually break down the fees, the taxes, the cost, all those things, the insurance contract is very competitive from a rate return perspective. But when we look at the industry as a whole, or you have very popular people saying life insurance is a terrible place to put your money into it, based on what hypothetical rate of return they're talking about. See, for me, it's not the short-term gain of, you know, Am I going to get a higher rate of return this year? It's what I can spend in retirement. And so when we look at distribution rates, okay, so if you have money invested in regular stock portfolios, there is something called the Monte Carlo, the safe withdrawal rate theory. Are you familiar with that? No, not familiar okay. with that. So what it talks about is that if you have money invested in regular stock portfolio, you have a 3% withdrawal rate on your money to have a 99% probability that you won't outlive your money because of the volatility of stock market performance, okay? So when we measure that, if it takes, for example, if I had a million dollars in a stock portfolio, okay, I would be able to take out $30,000 a year of income with a 99% probability without outliving my assets. If you okay. dip more into that, if you dip more to a five to six to 7% distribution rate, your probability outliving your asset increases or decreases dramatically, right? It's more likely that you'll run out of money before you run out of life. Sure. Yep. I get that. in the insurance product, your distribution rate is significantly higher because you're not spending the asset. You're leveraging it against your dead self, meaning that you're, you're utilizing the death benefit as collateral. You're not actually spending the death benefit. You're borrowing against it. Yeah. And this is one of the things that I think people don't realize. And it's one of the cool things. One of the reasons why I have one and that is that when you're spending the money out of it for whatever it is, right? I mean, you can, you can spend the money out of it to invest in cash flowing real estate too and, Absolutely. and double arbitrage your money. Absolutely. But the money that I invest, let's say I borrow money outside of, out of my account or excuse me, out of my life insurance and I invest it in some real estate. Well, it's technically really not my money that I borrowed out of it. My money is actually still there and it is earning whatever rate of return it is, right? Guaranteed 4% or whatever it is. While I am over here utilizing the money to make more money, then I can dump back into life insurance and park it there so that I can continue to do that. And I think people think that they're borrowing their money out. When you borrow your money out, you don't get any rate of return on it. It's not how it works. It, it's the craziest thing. I'm borrowing money out, but it's not mine. Mine is still in there and it's still earning interest. So I'm, I'm making money there while it's, while quote, my money is not there. And I'm making money over here on the cash flow from the real estate, the appreciation from the, or the real estate, and every, all the other returns. Like all four returns, are st I'm still making, and I'm still making the four, five, six percent, whatever it is over here. 
in my insurance contract. I want to bring right back to the part of the show where we talked about the very beginning about some of the mistakes that people can make as they talk about building wealth. And you just hit on it very well, Ron, is that one of the biggest transfers of our wealth is that we think it's the miracle of compounding interest that matters. Albert Einstein was a brilliant guy, but he missed it by one word. It's not the miracle of compounding interest. It's the miracle of uninterrupted compounding interest. And when you utilize collateral, right, you're leveraging other people's money and you're creating multiple rates of return. You're using your dollars for more than just one benefit. And the problem with traditional planning is they have you put money in assets towards an either or decision. Either I take my money out of here and go invest into real estate, or I take my money out of here and go buy a different stock. Utilizing collateral and or inside the life insurance contract is creating a miracle of uninterrupted compound interest. You never want to lose the forward momentum of your wealth ever. And that's what these contracts allow you to do to what you said is I use my contracts all the time for opportunity. In fact, when COVID hit, I borrowed against my dead self because I'm not borrowing my money. I'm borrowing the insurance company's money. And I went out and bought 15 different stocks. And today I'm up over 80% and I'm still making compounding money in the account. My dollars are always doing multiple things. Just look at the, how the banks make money. Banks understand velocity of money. Money and movement is what creates wealth. So I think that's another thing that people don't realize. And it, it's a really frustrating thing as a business owner because there's a lot of people uh, th- th- who work inside of businesses who don't understand the velocity of money. So not to completely shift gears on you, but this is something that I, people just do not understand. And so many business owners out there don't understand this themselves. You know, For instance, you have a contractor contractor goes, wins a bid. Contractor takes four weeks to do the job. If I bid the exact same amount as that other contractor and I get it done in three weeks, I've made a magnitude more money than they have made because of the velocity of money. And that is the same thing inside of any other business, right? Inside of my business, it's how fast we close business. If I get delayed 30 days on a closing, it doesn't just hurt the seller. It doesn't just hurt the buyer. It hurts me. It's not the same amount of money if I get it a month from now as if I get it today. It's not the same. It is far less money if I get it in 30 days than I get it today. And I think people do not understand why this is. And two, because think about what kind of opportunities would have arise over the next 30 days, right? And so we always have access to capital. And so one of the things that I talk to to people that I partner with and work with is helping them understand that they're the greatest asset. And if they're their greatest asset, how do we position their capital to where they have liquidity, use, and control of money for opportunity? Because as you have done such a fabulous job at, right, opportunity is what creates wealth and understanding that, right? So that's what we try to help our clients understand is, is walking through these economic principles of velocity and money, miracle of uninterrupted compounding interest, taxation, average versus actual rates of return. All these different things can have a huge impact on what you're doing and how you're positioning yourself for the future and today. So let's talk about taxation really quick then, because there's no tax benefit for me dumping money into a life insurance contract, right? So this is this is one of the probably many things that you that you recommend, right? But why does it benefit me? Like in today's tax brackets, right? I'm you know 30 whatever, 38% tax bracket. Why does it benefit me to pay 38% tax and then dump the rest into what if there's not a whole lot left that I can dump into the life insurance contract? Isn't it better for me to try to avoid those taxes and then take that money and put it into a life insurance contract? So if you can deduct your income to reduce your tax liability and use utilizing certain tax code strategies then yes. I mean, we always, again, there's a difference between reduction and deduction, right? 
So one of the common traditional models is to max out your 401k, right? And I'm trying to make right. this in context, okay? That is just a reduction because when that when you're taking the money out, the tax is going to be due. And if it's at a much higher rate, you lost. Yeah, okay? and especially you got to figure in inflation and everything else too, right? Everything, right? Okay. So, but when you're looking at somebody like you and I who are in the top tax bracket, I'm doing everything I can today to reduce my tax deductions, Right. And there's tax strategies in there. There's again, there's there's conservation easements. There's all these different things that you can actually do to reduce or deduct your taxation today to lower that tax rate and then help the government pay you to take money out and go put into life insurance contracts. See, I'm gotcha. utilizing every tax benefit I can get to lower my tax outflow by the tax code. Again, the tax code is written for two people, the informed and uninformed. Gotcha. So, so I utilizing all the tax deductions, I mean, we've talked about several on here, cost segregation of apartment buildings and any rental properties that you have to take advantage of either reduced or no taxes in a, in a year. What you are saying is you take the money that you have saved and you dump it into one place would be these life insurance contracts. And then you basically didn't have to pay those taxes this year. They're not coming due next year Correct. is what you're saying, that, right? But yeah, if you use the deduction, deduction that puts money into a qualified plan, which is what a lot of people do then you do have to pay the taxes. You're saying, I have to pay the taxes later. I just don't have to pay them today. Where if I can reduce my taxes now and put it into something that I don't have to pay taxes later, i.e. Roth insurance contracts, and maybe there's some other things too, I don't know, but then I really don't have to pay the tax. And the reason why I choose to put so much money in life insurance contracts is because I utilize my policies for opportunity. I want to create miracle of never interrupting my compounding interest to go do all these other things that I do. It's real estate. It's all these different things. It's a holding tank for my wealth to protect it while I go do other things with it. I think there's another thing too that people don't really understand. And that is that they're not suable. And okay, we got to be careful on that. In certain states, they're hundred percent creditor proof. Yes. But it's state, it's state by state. Okay. When you think about, you know, go back to OJ Simpson, right? It's kind of an easy one to talk about. He claimed that residency in Florida because his pensions and everything else was protected from creditor lawsuit. So in certain states like Florida, Texas, they're 100% creditor protected. So, and again, it's just, but it's, it's not just, you know, to your point, it's many different things that we have to navigate through, right? It's not just a product, it's strategy. It's how do we utilize and create wealth? And by yeah, having and access I, and, to capital. And I kind of zeroed and locked in on one of them, but I think, the overarching theme here is that there are some theories about money that we have been taught our entire lives and people uh, online, you know, just really beat up the fact that we've been taught to get a job, you know, go to college, get a job, work for the rest of your life, retire. And while that's all true, there's nothing wrong with that. It's what you do with the money that you make. It doesn't matter whether you make it in a, in a quote job or if you make it as a business owner or, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't make any difference. What matters is understanding money and understanding what you should do with that money and having some kind of a plan that gets you where you want to be. The reason people fail is they have this fun thing they want to do, but nobody actually sits down and thinks what they actually have to do to become a millionaire or to get the second million or the first 10 million or you know whatever it is. Nobody actually thinks through what is required to be able to do that and puts together a plan. Our money isn't any different. You have to establish a plan and a belief of what you want to have accomplished, right? Like, what do you believe? And if that's what you believe, again, to how to navigate through that and set a plan and a strategy to get you what you want. You know, here's the other thing, John, really irritates me too, is 
or not irritates me, frustrates me, I guess. It frustrates me that I hear so many people, you know, saying and posting on Facebook and other social media, right? And I see it in the news from reporters that there's no way to do what people want to do. And the only reason that there's no way to do what you want to do is because you haven't gone out and sought the information out yourself. Because, I mean, maybe 20 years ago, I would have believed that because then you would actually have to seek out an individual because the internet wasn't you know, booming and there wasn't information at your fingertips. You can do a, a Google search and start to really get educated on some of these things. And it doesn't require all that much effort, really. So if you're sitting there and you're going, man, I've never heard of any of these things. Okay. Number one, you're on the podcast and you're listening. That's great. But share the wealth with your friends, like share what you're learning with your friends, because the majority of the population out there doesn't realize a lot of this stuff. And it's because they just haven't sought out to learn what other people know. They just want to get pissed off at the people who do know at the informed instead of going and getting informed themselves. There's nothing that keeps a W-2 employee of, you know, a middle-class family from learning the exact same things you're talking about, John. They may not have $300,000 this year to throw into one. That doesn't mean they can't start doing the strategy, right? I mean, I have clients, you know, I don't income restrict my clients. My passion in life is to help people understand how this stuff works. And so to your point, I mean, I have clients that are doing $5,000 a year. Start somewhere. Yeah. And, and to your point, Ron, it's a great point because when you think about my journey, you only know what you know. It wasn't until I started to get fed up with the system because what I realized is my clients thought they should be up here on this financial curve and they found themselves down here. And I started to dig into what is wrong. Am I a bad advisor? And I just started to dig into economics and study. And I started to realize that what we're taught to be true just isn't true. Yeah. It happens for everybody at some point. And I think there's one of two things you can do, right? At some point, you're going to get angry at taxes and at other things financially in your life. And you can either just fold or you can go figure it out. You got a couple of choices. That's really it. And I remember, and I've stated it on the show, I remember one year when my CPA, my current CPA gave me my tax bill and it was equal to what I took home. That was the year, John, where I said no more. And I asked him, I said, look, how does any business start, progress, finally start making some money and then get a tax bill like this and continue? There, if that's the way this is going to be, I'm going to shut this freaking thing down. I'm going to go get a job because this is ridiculous. Right. What I realized that day though is, well, there's a lot of businesses, they don't all shut down. So somehow they figure this thing out, right? And what I did was I realized he didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that means I need somebody who does know. I got to go find somebody who knows. Man, if you don't get to the place in your life where taxes anger you that much, either you're not paying any or there's something wrong with you. Because at some point, you should get to the place where you say, this is unsustainable and I have to figure out how to use this tax code the way wealthy people do and I need to stop crying and complaining about it. And you, know, you made a really good point, Ron, and it's this, is that in my conversations with the people that I work with, I'll tell them my job is to piss you off today. Because if you don't recognize the pain and realize the situation, are you going to make any changes? For you, it took that year to where you got your tax return back. And you're like, I got to pay as much as I made. This is a bunch of BS. You worked all, all year. I made $0 net. Right. You need to do something different or find somebody else that can educate you and help you navigate the course of the tax code. So when I work with people, I want them to understand we got to create pain. 
Because if we don't create that pain or that realization, what's going to make you want to do anything different? And it's just um, helping you navigate through these challenges that we face. That's it. Yeah. And I, this is so important. It's so important. So right now is the time to do this because everybody's got this mojo during the month of January for whatever reason. I don't know what made January the month that everybody gets their mojo, but you've got whatever, two weeks of mojo before it runs out or whatever. The way that it doesn't run out, one of the, one of the secrets to making sure that your mojo doesn't run out on this, on all this stuff that you want to do, all this really awesome stuff you want to do is you have to either have a pain associated with it or you have to have enough pleasure associated with it. Most people do not have goals big enough to produce the pleasure and they don't have sufficient enough pain to want to change, right? Mm -hmm. Both of those things have to happen. And so right now, it's a good time to sit down and just assess where you are. And maybe you don't find out until April, like I did, where the pain actually is associated sufficiently with <laughs> with that I've got to make a decision, right? About what's going to, what's my future going to be and how am I going to take control of this bus that I'm driving, right? You have to have those two things. And so if, if you're going to sit down, you're going to make goals this year, you're going to make these resolutions or whatever. Resolution is a stupid word because they never work out. But if you're going to sit down and actually make goals and you're going to put together your vision and it includes money, which it will, then you better figure this thing out. You better figure it out and you better do it now. There better be some pain associated with it and that's the reality of where you are as compared to where you want to be. And there needs to be enough in it for you to do the work to make sure that you get the benefit over here. It has to be big enough. It has to be substantial enough that you are willing to do the work. Otherwise, you're not going to do it. Let's just be honest about it. And there's no shortcut to greatness, right? It requires work and effort. Yep. And that's just, you know, that's where, you know, people like you in the mastermind, like, I mean, we see people being successful. What we often forget is what it took them and the journey they went through to get to where they are. It's blood, sweat, and tears, yeah. right? And, and, yeah. and you have to go through that. And, and so constant and continual education that guys like you and I pay for, and these masterminds aren't cheap. They're just not cheap. But my current CPA, I met in one of them. And I mean, if just the money that that man has saved me has multiple paid for all of the masterminds I've been in for the years and years I've been in. It's just one human being that I met that changed things. That, that doesn't count all the rest of the people, right? The people that we meet that influence and change the direction of our lives, both financially and in every other way. I mean, you guys, we could go on for days about this topic, John. It's I think, and I think people should. I mean, I think people really should look into that because to your point, right? The mastermind, at least the ones that we're in, the giving that people give and there's, you know, they want to help and the, the resources and the information we just get by hanging out with each other yep. more than makes up for the cost. Yep. It, it becomes kind of like a, a brotherhood of some sort. You know what I mean? Like it's the family, the, the idea of having resources to where everybody's trying to give, you know, help and help each other out. And man, it's, it's great. So I would encourage you to do that as well as getting on track financially, look at doing some things for personal vision, growth, and things that you want to do on the personal side. Cause it all, it all flows together, man. It's been enlightening to say the least, having you on the show. I, I learned quite a bit myself and I love that, man. What do you, you get to run a podcast and just continue to learn every single week? It's fantastic. I, I absolutely love this. I know there was massive content for everybody out there listening. John, if anybody's listening, wants to get a hold of you and learn a little bit more about what you do and how you help people, how can they reach you? Yeah, man. So we created a landing page right now for noplanningfee.com. So anybody's listening to this podcast and we created a special page for you guys to go to noplanningfee.com. And if you want to get together and have a conversation, 
I would love to visit you and just uh, visit with you and just talk about money. So noplanning.com. Awesome. I love it. You also have a podcast, right? In fact, you're going to be on that pretty soon. I, I, I am. Yeah. So you should check out his podcast. Where do they, where do they get your, what's your podcast called and where do they get it? Uh, Beyond All Boundaries. And nice. that'll just be released out to you too. And you can share that with your viewers as well when you come online. Sweet. So I'll post when I'm on and then obviously check it out. Grab, do the same thing that I asked you guys to do. You know, when you're running a podcast, one of the most important things you can do is obviously if you like it, right? If you like the content, you get something out of it, you know, hit the like button. It's really simple. But the, the really the most important thing that you can do to help to give back, I guess, is a written review, just an honest written review about the show and about or about the segment that you listen to, whatever it is. I appreciate that. You guys have been doing a really good job of that for me and for the podcast, what Heather and I do. And we really appreciate that. So uh, go check out John's podcast and um, you can also um, connect with him if you want to. John, really appreciate you spending the time to be with us. Hey man, I really appreciate you having me on and I'd uh, love to do it again. Anytime you want to get back and talk about these kinds of things, I loved it. So I appreciate it. All right, guys, till next time, get out there and make something happen. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to GetRealEstateSuccess.com.